What up, y'all? I want to welcome you back to the Socks and Sandals Podcast History Diary, man. Yo, I'm in the kitchen. I'm whipping it up. And really quick, before I get into the episode, man, I got a few questions, man. Do y'all have some debt that you need to pay off? Do you want to travel more this year? Are you unsure about what you're going to do with your time now that football season is over? Are you tired of having a boss tell you when and where to be somewhere? Check this out. You can become a driver with Lyft today. Lyft has a $1,300 guarantee when you give 135 rides in your first 30 days. When you use promo code Emmanuel32636. Now, let's say you give your 135th ride and your total fares are at 1100. Lyft will fill in that gap and hit you with that 200 to fulfill the $1,300 guarantee. So make sure you use that promo code Emmanuel, my government, E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L, Emmanuel32636. All right, now let's get into the episode. Oh, and real quick, man, salute to Jared and everybody at Wash, man. I am genuinely excited. Can't wait for season two, man. All right, here we go. Let's get into the episode. Director, entrepreneur, and we're going to find out a lot about him, but Mr. Jared Couch, man, say what's up to the people, bro. Hey, what's going on, man? I really appreciate you uh, bringing me on your podcast. And it, it, it's funny that you talk about, uh, you mentioned your wife. Uh, when I broke out, uh, when, you, when you said we were going to do this, I kind of broke out my microphone because obviously I'm in Dallas, Texas. And she, my wife came upstairs like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> she had to check like, hey, what's what's really going on over here? <laughs> yeah, all right. Or, yeah, man. But uh, um, so we're going to talk about you know everything that you've been doing with your with the series watched um it's an like i was saying before it's an amazing series bro um i ever since ever since i've seen it i shared it on social media like i believed in it from day one so when my guy marcus and we'll talk more about marcus later but like when marcus introduced me to it i'm like yo yo this is like legit legit you know what i mean so uh yeah bro, i just want to give you that shout out on air before we get into anything else Thank you. We uh, really appreciate it, man. You know, when we when I started Wash, when we started Wash, you know, our whole goal was to kind of break out of. I don't even call it a web series anymore. We're just call, calling it a series. Yeah. Um, web series kind of gets a bad connotation. Our whole goal was to you know produce something that you know you look at it you're like man that that could be on television. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm glad you you like the show and you uh, see the the hard work everybody's put into it. Yeah, no doubt. So just before we get into the, the meat of everything, man, just tell the people, you know, who you are, where you're from and, and you know, what you're about. So, um, as you mentioned, my name is uh, Jared Couch. I'm from Dallas, Texas, born and raised, uh, grew up here until, until 18, then went off to college, went to film school at the University of Texas, um, fell in love with uh, television, producing, creating, writing at, at UT Austin. I actually had a, a hip-hop television show down there called ATX Most Wanted that I created when I was 18. And I also was doing uh, sports television at the student TV station, Tech Student Television. Uh, did that for four years. And from there, then I went on and worked uh, for ESPN for five years. Three of those years was in Connecticut and Bristol at the, the headquarters. And then the final two years was back in Austin when they launched uh, Longhorn Network. Um, so I was with ESPN for five years and then uh, went on and uh, 
joined the Texas Rangers, so I moved back to Dallas, the, the baseball team, not the law enforcement agency. <laughs> uh, for sure. So <laughs> I was there for three years as their creative director, and um, I was actually getting an MBA on the side part-time. Um, so once I finished that up, got my MBA, I went and got an MBA job. I did that for about a year. Uh, things didn't work out. Um, it just, it, my passion and what uh, got my, my fire burning was the creative side. So that's when I kind of jumped off the porch and uh, uh, started my own agency, The Creative Couch. And I've been doing that for a couple of years, um, creating Washed, as well as you know, working with other clients such as you know, law firms, real estate agents, uh, anything that has to do with videos, pretty much what I do now. That's what's up, bro. So what what was the age that you broke off and, and created, you know, Creative Couch? Uh, I'm 33 right now, I think. And yeah. so I think it, it was a uh, 30, 31, right around there. Um, Word. And it, you know, I, we know you sent me over a few of the questions we were talking about as far as the, the entrepreneurial side. Um, and the whole decision was kind of it was kind of forced upon me. At the same time, it was a decision. Um, when I took my when I got my MBA, I took I took a sports marketing strategist job uh, for a media company, and it's a pretty big media company. Uh, and after a year, they wanted to switch directions, and they wanted to go away from sports, and they wanted me to be kind of a almost a it was a project manager type role, which wasn't a bad job at all. I mean, you know, that's a great job. Right. But at the time, you know, I realized that wasn't my passion. Even the 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 strategy part wasn't necessarily what I was super passionate about. I enjoyed it, um, but creating, writing, um, filmmaking, stuff like that really got me going. So at that point in my career, I was like, all right, this is a good opportunity to just jump out there. Yeah, that's that's crazy at like the age of 30. That's where, I don't know, I can't, obviously I can't speak for women, but I feel like as men, like you kind of, you really know, maybe, but maybe it's universal. You just, at the age of 30, you really start to realize what you're passionate about and you realize that whatever you're doing professionally, it doesn't matter how much money you're making at the time. It's never enough. It's not. And then, you know, money is very important, right? Right. Uh, one of J. Cole's, one of my favorite lines from J. Cole, he's like, money is not going to buy me happiness or lovers, but it's going to get my mama out the struggle. Word. So, you know, like, I, you know, when you hear people, People like Jay Z or famous people say uh, money isn't everything. It, it's not everything. It helps, um, but I, there is some truth in that money isn't everything because you could be making a lot of money. I was making way more money at my production assistant at ESPN back in 2008, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I found a lot more joy in what I was doing as a production assistant than what I was doing as a marketing strategist. Wow. Um, so yeah, like at age 30, you start seeing that. That the, the, you see that clock, you see you start ticking. Yeah. You know, that's a mile. That's a milestone marker in your life. So it's either put up or shut up right now. It's no longer, you know, you're no longer 20 years old, and you know you're learning and you're trying to get your feet wet. Like at 30, you kind of feel this pressure to say, "All right, let's 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 get let's get going to where you want to go." Right? Yeah. But there's there is a part of the like I think a lot of a lot of us hit that that crossroad, but not everyone chooses. The path of entrepreneurship so it's a it's a hard choice it's it's a hard choice but it just it's also like what's inside of you though as well mm -hmm. you know so that's why you know one of the questions i sent over and one of the questions that i ask in all my young black entrepreneur you know in this series you know and, and you kind of answered it but you know did entrepreneurship choose you or did you choose entrepreneurship you know 
Yeah, you know what? I think it has a lot to do with what's inside you. I think as you alluded to earlier, um, I mean, even if you go back to when I was a kid, man, I was I was hustling, mowing lawns, um, going door to door, selling whatever I could sell. Um, you know, I even lied when I was like 13, 14 to the grocery store in my neighborhood and told them I was 16 because I always looked yeah. over. Um, so I was I was getting W-2s at the age of 14, and I don't think I was supposed to be getting W-2s at the age of 14. I don't know the rules with all that, but I lied. Yeah. Um, just because I was always trying to make money, always hustling. You know, I was doing that job and cutting yards at the same time. And then, like, when I got to college, um, I didn't go to college with the intention of creating a television show. But when I got there, it was just something that was inside of me that was like, all right, you know, you, you spend one semester learning you know the student television station now let's create your own tv show see what you can do and then after four years that had blossomed and i was doing a radio show uh writing for the uh, school newspaper and it was all built around this one brand so that was essentially entrepreneurship right yeah um, and that's always been burning inside me and a lot of people have that and and some people like you said they 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 make the choice to do it and others don't because it's a double-edged sword, you know, when you turn 30, because most people have families, most people have kids, most people have a wife, and luckily, my wife is very supportive of my dream, and she's just waiting for me to tell her we got to move to L.A. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it, I understand the battle. I, I battle that today, you know, as an entrepreneur. Like, it, it, it's tough, you know, all, all weeks on good weeks. Word, word. Yeah, man, I, that's kind of how I feel, you know, it's like... Uh... I've always been kind of the the hustler kid, you know, selling candy, messed around, you know, sold weed. <laughs> to be honest, you know what I mean. Just like whatever I could get my hands on, bro. Like I was trying to, I was trying to flip something. Um, yeah. I think I haven't told this story. My worst flip, man. I messed around. I, I was in college, and you know, in college, man, like lending is is so predatory so you know they give you student loans and i messed around and got a i got a uh i had like good credit for whatever reason and i think my dad he had opened up a car but he was paying for it for me so i had good credit and then i messed around got offered a credit through bank of america they gave me a seven thousand dollar limit at the age of 20 so you know i thought i was balling so <laughs> i thought all right i'm about to use this i'm about to flip it i messed around and got um uh, a football ticket to a BCS game. It was like Ohio State versus Florida. I think it was a championship. I paid $3,000 for two tickets, right? And this was like a couple months. I know, man, a couple months before the game. And I was thinking, all right, they 3000 now, but then coming up towards the game, they going to shoot up because the demand is going to shoot up because it's whatever. Time crunch. Y'all was so wrong, bro. Like, the tickets were way inflated beforehand, and then by the time it came down to the game, the tickets got cheaper. And so I messed around and sold them tickets for like eighteen hundred. Took a hell of a loss, but it's like I've always been that type of dude to try to take a risk and try to flip something, you know, even if I didn't have nothing to start with. But yeah, that, man, that's really what entrepreneurship is. Is like you really kind of stepping out there and taking a risk. You know, knowing that every week is not going to be a good week, every month isn't going to be a good month, and kind of business ebbs and flows, you know. And it's be a risk taker, and you have to have a supportive infrastructure around you because um, I know, like we're saying, like age 30 is kind of a milestone where you're like, a lot of people are like, all right, man, I got to put up or shut up. 
Yeah. Um, but you also got to have people around you that are like, all right, I'm going to support you when you're, you know, financially down, when you're mentally down, when you burnt out, um, or when you're working long hours. So it's a, it's a tough, it's a really tough decision to make. Yeah. So speaking of age 30, that's definitely a great segue into the show to watch, man. It's, it's all about that. You know, you hit 30. And so one, I think why I like the show so much, because I, I identify with it because at age 30, you start, you can't stay up like you used to. You can't drink like you used to, and you start to feel washed. So go ahead and tell people, you know, better than I can do it, the, the genesis of the show and just how you came up with it, you know, you and Corey Pratt. Yeah, so um, there's a fun story behind the genesis of it, but really from an overarching angle, it's kind of, as we've been talking about, age 30, when you're 18, you know, a lot of people are like, all right, I'm going to be a millionaire by the time I'm 30. <laughs> some people are like, all right, I'll be on my second NBA contra contract by age 30. Right. Or I'm going to be some kind of big CEO or somebody famous, right? Mm -hmm. I say 99.9% .9 of us look up at age 30 and we haven't accomplished any of that, right? Right. So the whole, the original name of the show was called Quarter Life Crisis, which mm. ended up being the title of the first episode. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we were going to have to call it QLC, and then you have to explain what QLC means. And one day a light bulb went over my head, and I was like, we just call it Washed. Because, you know, there's no if people that are in the culture on Twitter, um, on social media, they know what Washed means. You know, I, we sure. have to explain Washed to other people, but most people that <laughs> will really be drawn to the show knows what Washed means. It means yeah, washed if, up. Right? If you know, you know. Yeah, you know, you know. Yeah. So, um, I've always, you know, I've been a filmmaker. I went to film school at the University of Texas and worked for ESPN and all that stuff. So um, I always, I had the, you know, the filmmaking talent. And then one evening, uh, Corey and I, we, so to backtrack a little bit, Corey and I went to high school together, right? right. And we grew up in a rough neighborhood. You know, he grew up in a little rougher neighborhood than I am, but I grew up all around Dallas. And I've been in multiple hoods around Dallas. And I'm not talking about like, what they call the rap hood, like Jay-Z would say, like the real hood, you know, like yeah. it, it, it's no joke, but we uh, we both kind of like grew out of the neighborhood. Like we were both like young professionals right now, um, but we still have friends in the neighborhood. Still have, you know, a lot of our friends, a lot of guys we played sports with, went to high school with. So it's really this, this funny um, paradox or kind of double lives you're living, right? Yeah. Um, at one moment, you're living this kind of brunch on Sundays lifestyle, and at the next minute, like, your friends are still in the hood. Um, so you're straddling both worlds. Uh, one night before we were getting ready to go out uh, to downtown to, you know, bar hop in Dallas, he was like, hey, I got to go by the old neighborhood. About five minutes later, we found ourselves, or I found myself in a trap house. Mm. Uh, and I look around, and I know everybody in there. I played high school football with, with most of them, right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, everybody's a little bit more weathered now. but <laughs> um, and, and it was just this weird feeling because at this time, I have a mortgage, a wife, an MBA, and a bachelor's degree, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm in a trap house. <laughs> it's, like, it's like my former life and my current life colliding all in once. So... The next week, I you know I had the idea and I, I hit up Pratt and I knew he had always had the acting bug, um, and so I was like, hey, this this is what I got. And then 
I think I wrote episode one and two, the first drafts, and I sent them to him, and he loved, he liked it. So that's when we just kind of jumped in it, and we started, we we fleshed episode one and two out a little bit more, and we shot, we started, we did a casting call, and one thing after another, you know, you know, you don't, sometimes you have this grand plan of doing things, but sometimes you just start start doing it right you start mm-hmm. figuring it out as it goes along mm-hmm. um so that was pretty much the genesis of wash man so talk talk about the main character uh cory's character so cory uh the main character played by cory pratt is mark fields and mark fields in one in one line is he can't get right um <laughs> he, you know he's he wakes up on his 30th birthday and he's having this quarter life crisis. And like I was describing earlier, he just isn't where he wants to be in life. But what's funny is that if you look, you know, we're, the viewers looking from the outside, you see this nice loft apartment. He has a beautiful girlfriend and he has a nine to five white collar job. Pretty good life. But mm-hmm. in his mind, he's not what he wants to be. And I guess that goes back to, um, a lot of us that I guess you know went to college or have white collar jobs. I mean, all of us aren't. We're not you know we're not digging ditches or we're not doing like very hard labor. Labor, but at the same time, you're not necessarily satisfied. Um, and, and so he starts to kind of chase chase that dream or chase. He's trying to latch onto something that gives his life like purpose and meaning. And we. We talk about it in episode two when he talks to his best friend, which uh, his best friend's Eric, and one of our more interesting characters. He's a um, drug dealing bookworm, and it's kind of a, it's kind of a play on when people say that drug dealers are smart, because you know every they're like, oh man, drug dealers are really smart. No, he's really smart. Right. Like he's he's a bookworm. So he uh, he self he he analyzes Mark and he says what you're struggling at. You're trying to get the top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs pyramid. You're trying to reach that self-actualization. And that's really what we're all trying to to reach eventually is that once you have all your basic needs taken care of, you want to be fulfilled on another level. Yeah. But the the funny thing about that, like in the in the show, and just what what I started to to witness in real life, man, is like the people kind of like what what was the uh drug dealer's uh, name in the in the his name's Eric. Eric. So like so what so guys like Eric um they may be drug dealers or they may just be, you know, bosses of like or they may be entrepreneurs, you know, on the on the legal hustle, but it seems like the people that just know what's really going on versus all of us that have been formally educated, like they seem to do better in wow. in in business, you know, because like they've studied great thinkers and a lot of a lot of what's going on in the world is just people that are great thinkers they're not the best tactician or they're they're not the best student or the best worker they can just outthink the room and if they can outthink the room they can come up with ideas and motivate people and do things like that so it's just like it's crazy how those folks even though it's just a show like those folks in real life are the ones that are really bossing it up and really like <laughs> looking at us like y'all got the y'all got the paper degrees but y'all really don't know what we know and so that's why we're kind of running things and y'all working for us it's crazy a lot of times it's the interpersonal skills and the ability to analyze the room and motivate people it's not necessarily what you learn in a book so mm-hmm. I, I definitely agree i mean you can look at um the president of the united states i wouldn't say he's one of the 
smartest guys in the world and not even one of the most moral guys in the world. Mm -hmm. um, but he he has this ability to motivate a certain base of people to do what he wants. That's a fact. Um, and that was ability to analyze. And it was, I despise the guy, but he was able to rise to the highest um, office in the land because of his ability to motivate and play to people's uh, instincts. And a lot of, like you said, a lot of people around us, like if it was a drug dealer or, or somebody that even just started working straight out of high school, if they have those people skills and that ability and, and a lot of times it's what they call soft skills, mm -hmm. um, stuff you really can't measure by a test. And that's why standardized tests are uh, sometimes um, just, uh, not useful because, you know, a standardized test can question whether I know a word or whether I can solve a problem. But how do you measure soft skills? And usually soft skills will get you a lot further. Word. Yeah, bro. It's That's that's real, man. Soft skills is everything. And uh, a, a, lot, a lot of that just comes with like time. And, mm -hmm. and just consistent, repeated action. So if you're, if you're whatever field you're in, like you just got to be there for a while and then you start to learn and boom, that's, that's a part of you. And can't nobody take that away from you. Yeah. No, I, that a key to success. And there's one thing that I'm starting, you know, as we start season two of washed, um, is in trying to take it to the next level is I've, I've been telling the cast and crew is like this year, we're going to focus on three things being strategic, Strategic, mm -hmm. being detail oriented, and being consistent. Man, and I think those three things—if you can—if you can master those three things, you can be successful in just about anything. Man, that's that's a fact, bro. That's a good foundation. So tell me and tell the folks, man, like what it's like starting your own web series. Like that's that's a lot of work, and it's it seems problem. like it seems like it will be mad expensive, man. So just however you can like tell us what all went into making this thing happen because it's a lot of people involved uh a, a lot of equipment a lot of time a lot of different locations that you were shooting at man so yeah how'd you make that happen so like i said it's exhausting <laughs> <laughs> for sure um and really it's that hustler mentality and being resourceful right mm, yeah um i'll put this out there nobody got paid on season one yeah only people that got paid is the airbnbs that we rented wow um but as far as the equipment goes, so really it starts off with the idea and you start writing. That stuff is, all that requires is time, right? Mm -hmm. um, and on season one, we had three writers. It was me, it was Corey Pratt, and it was Ashley Kegler Lee. Um, Ashley came on after Corey and I, after we did episode one and two, she came on because we needed a female voice. Um, our our woman, women dialogue was real whack. Um, so we needed her. Right. Uh, so once you get the writing down, then it's about pre-production and planning. And I, if you've seen all eight, eight episodes, you'll see that we had a lot of locations. And yeah, for sure. Really, that was kind of me being naive or not really, not really stepping back and understanding the scope because I come from producing commercials and documentaries. This was my first time ever doing uh, long-form scripted which is a totally different world because a commercial is 30 seconds. Uh, an eight-episode series uh, season is, I mean, that's that's 160 minutes. Ooh. And so we had like 50 to 60 locations. Um, so really it was kind of just being resourceful. So you, you write the entire season, uh, you look at the locations, uh, break them all down, and then we all just attacked it and tried to book those locations. And... As far, and as far as the equipment goes, I 
you know, I have my own company. So a lot of that stuff I already had with drones and cameras and other stuff I would just buy. Uh, it gets expensive, but you know, you'd be surprised if, if you're creative and you know, you know, you're resourceful, you can get it done. Um, and locations, sometimes the, the biggest thing I learned, one of the greatest things I learned in grad school, it was my negotiation class. And they would say, just ask. Mm. You don't know until you ask. So, like, we have a, coffee, a scene in a coffee shop. Um, I can't get Starbucks, but I can go find a local coffee shop that closes at 6 p.m. And it's still light outside, so it looks like it's 10 a.m. or, you know, 11 a.m. Uh, so we went and asked them, said, hey, Ken, would you mind letting us use your coffee shop? We're local filmmakers. Uh, and they said, cool, as long as you can pay my staff, you know. It, it was like 50 bucks. Pay, pay my staff to stay here for a couple more hours. And I was like, we can do that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, so you, once you do that, then um, to take a step back, you have to get actors. But there's a lot of up-and-coming actors in every city um, that are looking to get reps, to get, you know, film of them acting, just to get experience. So we had a lot of actors uh, in season one. Um, and then after you get done with the production, uh, then you have to go into post-production. And so I was the writer, the director, I helped produce, and then I was the editor, and now I'm doing marketing. Um, so it's, it's really about time. Um, the equipment is expensive. If you're starting from scratch, you're gonna spend a lot of money on equipment, but hopefully you don't have to start from scratch. You know? um, but with, if you had $10,000 to commit to equipment, you can get a lot of great equipment and pull off a series. You probably don't even need that much. And an advice I would give some people, in every city there are places where you can rent equipment. Yeah. Uh, so if you can plan out your shooting schedule to a T, you can go rent the you can go rent an equipment for 150 bucks and have it for a whole weekend. Wow. Um, so Is that cheap? There, there, are, there are many ways to uh, get around uh, not having big budgets. Yeah. That's what's up. Now, so it sounds like I mean, obviously it's your it's your first season. It's just it's you and Corey that's writing and uh what was the other young lady's name? Her name's Ashley. Ashley. So Ashley, shout out to Ashley. Um, so all y'all is wearing a lot of hats. You're definitely wearing a lot of hats. One hat that you don't wear, as far as I'm concerned, or as far as I know, is the music supervisor. So let's discuss our one degree of separation, my guy, my brother, Marcus Long, man. How did y'all meet and how did you get him involved with the show? So Marcus and I went to, we played high school football together. Word. Um, neither one of us, I think you wouldn't describe us as superstars, but we were both, <laughs> we were both very dependable high school football players. Yeah. Uh, Marcus was probably better than me. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we played high school football. You know, we ran into each other a few times throughout the years because, shoot, 2003 is when we graduated high school. So it's been almost 15, 16 years. Um Dang, that's a long time. I know, man. Uh, we we the same age, so yeah, that's crazy, bro. Jeez. Yeah. Anyway, so whenever I was back in the Dallas, I would always seem to run into Marcus. Mm. Um, and be in random situations. But we when we started Wash, um, I don't know when he got with me. I think it was so we released episode one and two um, last December, so that would have been 2017, right? Okay. Um, and that was kind of a pilot test run, and that's when people really got an idea of like, okay, these guys, they're not messing around. There's, you know, it looks very, you know, high quality, right? Yeah. So I think that's when Marcus reached out to me, and he's like, hey, bro, uh, you know, I've done the producing, and, you know, I'm in the music world. 
if you ever need help, then, you know, let me know. And I'm the type of person that I give everybody a chance. Um, not everybody, but if you come to me and you have, you know, a passion about something and you want to help out, I'll give you a shot. You know, um, at the time, it was really just me picking the music. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I would much rather have somebody that's dedicated to, you know, combing through the music and somebody that's really listening for stuff. So. Uh, and it's also always good to have other creative minds in the process. So, uh, um, yeah, he came on board and we started uh, soliciting music from people in the Dallas area. Most of our soundtrack in season one is uh, almost all Dallas artists. There's, I think, one maybe from Oklahoma, um, but most of them are from Dallas. And, yeah, and I, Marcus did a tremendous job in season one and it was a real asset to the show. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, man. Me, me and Marcus met each other uh, in college at Texas Southern, and we were yeah. we were roommates there for a while. And uh, yeah, man, like I was, he, we've always been connected because of music. You know, he, um, my my partner Speedy, he like kind of taught him how to make beats on Fruity Loops. And then when we was living together, like, cause I I was pretty good at it too, so I was like always giving him pointers. And Marcus started off like. You know what I mean? Everybody start off kind of questionable, and then Marcus like took off. Man, his beats just went to another level. So he's always been talented and, and connected with music, and then with nuclear beats and everything that he was doing with that. Man, so um, when he, he told, told me, me uh, yeah, I'll he, go ahead. He told me when, when we were talking. I was like, he was, he told me you the guy that like you just said you put him on and taught him the game. So you were <laughs> like his uh, Mr. Miyagi. Oh man, come on, bro. But I mean, <laughs> but it was yeah, and it was that was fun times, man. And he's just he's just a solid dude. And and uh, as you know, you know, he reached out to me to to have him help him out for season two, as far as like putting the music together and all that. So yeah. um, I'm glad yeah, he did that, man. I'm I'm glad to be a, a part of the team. You know what I mean? Oh man, we like, like I said earlier, man. Like he, I told him because he we were, we were talking before. I guess he reached out to you, and he was like, "You mind if I, you know, bring somebody on because you know it can." It, it's a lot of work. I was like, man, whoever you trust, I trust. Word. I was like, and I, I'm I'm happy to have you on the squad, man. More creativity, more 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 people uh, putting their hand in the pot. You know, can only make for a better product. Yeah, that's a fact, bro. So, yeah, man. So tell me about um, tell me about like everything that went on in season one. Mm -hmm. Like, what opportunities have been pre presented to you that's going to make season two? that much better and just put you guys on another level um so i'm trying to think back our first real um accomplishment or accolade is we, we premiered at a festival in hollywood called dances with films Word. Uh, and that was huge um that was that was really big um and then i guess most recently i guess our biggest to date would be uh, the creative couch which was really the creative couch won dale small but mighty uh contest mm. uh, and we were featured in ink magazine but the creative couch won it but it was all around washed right so <laughs> it was really uh you know for for washed um and that that was huge being on ink magazine and then michael dale tweet tweeting about it yeah i've seen that my, that's crazy kind of blew my mind right I'm yeah like, yo um, and then we've had we've had a lot of other opportunities, um, you know, media wise. And, and, and just about a month ago, we we went live on Amazon Prime, which that was crazy um, seeing your stuff on Amazon. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, no, it's it's been great. And there's one more thing that's in the oven. It's actually done. 
it's a distribution deal. Um, I, I can't quite announce it just yet because mm. it's being what you know everything's been signed, everything's been delivered. Uh, it's just waiting for a final clearance. So if that um, if that comes to fruition, that's going to put the cherry on top of season one, um, and you know that's really really will springboard uh, to season two. That's what's up, man. That's dope. So. Tell me about that Amazon Prime though. Like, what was that like getting on there? Was it a is a huge process? Is that something you've been trying? You've been knocking on that door for a while, or did somebody approach you? Yeah, it's a uh, you kind of uh, you can submit. It's a uh, it's really hard. <laughs> it's not yeah. easy to get on there. Um, and it was about a three month process. And you you'll be surprised. The one hang up for me was captions. Mm. Um, is you they they're really particular about the captions they have to be spot on wow um so if anybody goes on amazon prime and watches it make sure to watch it with the captions on because i spent three months trying to get that done <laughs> uh you, you know, said you're gonna read these captions boy <laughs> yeah read these captions. you know in the beginning as an independent filmmaker you try to do everything yourself right yeah so i try to do the captions myself that didn't work. It mm-hmm. sucked, and I and, and I, I didn't know. The, you know, there's so many rules to captions. I had no idea. Um, then I paid somebody, and once I submitted them, at, once I uh, got it from the company and submitted them, then Amazon only approved one of the eight episodes. And I was like, "Come on!" Wow. And so I went back to that company that I paid, and I was like, "Yo, you got to redo these." So I redid them and submitted them. Then seven out of eight was approved. So I still had one more. So I went back to the company. And the funny and the, and the crazy thing is every time you submit, you got to wait like a week. So it kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. I had I had my email blast queued up for about two months to announce this and <laughs> it, and it never got announced. I, I eventually had to go change my copy because my initial uh, copy in the email was just in time for the holidays. Well, it didn't happen until after the holidays. So mm-hmm, yeah. I had to rewrite the email. Um, but yeah, no, it's it, it's hard. I can see. A lot of people don't get on Amazon because a lot of people will give up. I thought about giving up a couple times, um, but yeah, now that 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 was big, and it's really we're not going to make a lot of money off of it. But it's just another way to make a little bit of money. If it's only a few hundred dollars, or you know, if we can get to a thousand dollars, that's enough to pay. Because um, you know, it, like like you said earlier, it takes a lot of money, and in, in season two, I want to take it to the next level. I'm not. I'm never going to make it dime from season one or season two but if i can pay an audio guy or i can pay a lighting guy or i can you know we can have craft services then that stuff is going to go a long way to you know making season two much better word word yeah man that's um that's that's kind of that's crazy bro like it would take that long and they would give you that much of a hard time just for some captions but i mean that's i get it though yeah i mean they're they're particular and they want it perfect and i've talked to other people that have gotten on amazon and the captions were a problem but luckily with i got the graphics and everything right the first time because Mm. a lot of people don't realize when you go to amazon and you see all the text and you see the images and all that stuff Mm -hmm. somebody makes that (laughs) you Mm. know it it just it doesn't auto populate it's somebody you know, I had to sit down. We had to sit down and write the the descriptions of the show in each episode, and have an image for each episode. And you know, it's 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 a lot that goes into it. Yeah. So, but but as far as finding it, they could just go on there, search, watched, or is it under like a certain genre? 
Yeah, no, you just go on there and search washed. And, and if you put if you put the hashtag on there, it'll definitely pop up as the first one. For sure. That's a good thing about having something that's, you know, different like that is that, you know, you hashtag washed and it'll pop up. Um, yeah. And then, you know, we're on we're on Amazon. If you don't have Amazon Prime, uh, you can also buy the series on Amazon if you don't have Amazon Prime. Um, or, you know, just go on. We have our website, washedseries.com. And then, we'll, you know, we're on YouTube. I try to get us in as many places as possible. So, um, you know, even if you're not looking for us, maybe you stumble upon us. Word, word. So, I mean, that that right there, that story right there kind of leads me into my next question. Um, I mean, that's that's an obstacle, you know, but you had already made it. The, the season was done. You know, yeah. you're already on YouTube and, and everywhere else. But, you know, what are some obstacles or maybe just one obstacle that was huge that you had to overcome? That, that could have stopped you from completing the making of series or season one? Ooh, uh, I, uh, needing a mental break? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I'm the type of guy, man, like I put my head down and I just go, right? Yeah. Um, and I get, I'm trying, I'm trying to think what, what would have stopped us from going forward. Um, it, once we got done shooting, there was really nothing that was going to stop me from getting done, right? Mm -hmm. um, anything I didn't know, I, I just learned how to do it, right? Word. Um, coming up, you know, coming up as a filmmaker, when I was at ESPN, I was only a producer writer. I, I wasn't an editor. Um, so I didn't really start really editing, like in, on a professional level, until I started my own business. Wow. Um, I had an idea of how to edit, but I really needed to sit down and learn you know, After Effects and Premiere. Um, but I don't think there was anything that was going to hold us back. I, I would say the only thing that's going to hold us back in season two is funding. Yeah. Um, and I see, and, and that's one of the things that I have to stop myself because, uh, you know, and th this is just human nature, it's comparing yourself to other series. Yeah. Um, and I see other people that around us that are already starting on season two of their series or they're kind of like going full force and I just need to stop myself and say, Hey, we need to be intentional and we need to take our time in every single phase um, of a season two, yeah. because you don't want to rush and hurry just to get more content out there. If it's bad. Right. 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 Um, you have to be very intentional and, and strategic and, and think about what we're doing because as good as, as we think season one was, um, I know all the warts, right? I know where I, we need to get better. Um, and I need, and I've even talked to a bunch of other filmmakers and I've asked them to be brutally honest and they've pointed out a lot of the, the, the holes in the series that I, I'm aware of, but it's good to hear from other people. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I can't think of one thing that would have held us back uh, from putting it out there um, once we had it all shot. Uh, initially, it was just about getting all the locations and shooting them you know, as quickly as we could and getting everybody together at the same time. Yeah. Well, that's what's up, man. I mean, that's, that's good to hear. That's encouraging just to know that, you know, from you, like nothing is going to stop you. And it's also encouraging to not hear about, um, like people issues. I mean, a lot of time when you're working with a lot of people and there's, there's yeah. egos involved and you, you never know what's going to happen just because, you know, somebody might be overly emotional for whatever reason or just might be too particular or might be a diva or whatever the case might be. But yeah. it doesn't sound like that's a problem for you guys. 
if, if you want to know those stories, I can tell you a little bit about how, that. Um, now, you've seen Wash, so you see the amount of people that are in there. Yes. We got a lot of, a lot got a lot of, people. of people. I know. <laughs> so uh, that could have, you know, derailed the project. Um, but we ran into instances where uh, we had like, so if you go back to episode four, when they're in the barbershop, right? Yeah. Uh, Eric was supposed to be in that scene. Well, the guy that plays Eric was unavailable that day. Uh, well, we can't stop the show because of one person, right? We got like, we have this barbershop book for this day and we got to get it done. So we wrote him out of the scene. So mm. that's uh, that's essentially what you have to do is write write them out of the scene, right? Yeah. Uh, and hopefully it's not crucial to the story, uh, and it wasn't. So we just we kind of and if if we had to move on, we had to move on. There was one scene if you remember the pool table scene in episode five. Uh, we shot that once, and I was very disappointed in the audio level, and it was really my fault because I tried to use a boom mic with a. Um, with the scene that was shot really wide. So the boom was really far away. Mm. Um, the audio sounded awful. So what we did, and it was very hard to swallow that pill, was we went back and reshot it. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I know it's only a three minute scene, but that's another eight hours, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. And then, yeah, getting the people, getting everybody in the same place at one time is, it, it's a very, it's a project manage management challenge and you have to, you know, there was, you know, our most challenging weekend was when we booked the Airbnb and we were trying to get all the scenes from season one that were in that apartment done all in one week. I mean, all in two days, right? Mm. So we shot two 16 hour days. Wow. Now think about this. A lot of our actors are teachers. So they left the set at 4 a.m. And this is 4 a.m. on a Monday now because yeah. we started on Sunday and right. ended at 4 a.m. Uh, they had to go to work on Monday. That's so crazy. I, all of them. And, and, and even the people that aren't teachers, they had to go to work, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I love them for that. And they kind of, they just, they really stuck with it and they believed in the vision. And a lot of it's on me because I'm very particular about the shots and I, I get a bunch of angles and I do a lot of wreath. You know, I was like, all right, give it to me again. But try this. So we're doing a lot of takes. We're doing a lot of angles. Um, but it's it, it's all purposeful, and they trusted me on that. And I hope that they saw, you know, the result in the end. Um, so that 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 was that was a very challenging weekend. Um, but people stuck with it, and they, you know, there's a lot of people on the on the, on the cast and crew that are chasing their dreams, Word. and uh, they stuck with the process. Man, that's that's amazing, bro. So that just gets me to thinking. I mean, this is our first time talking. I don't know you. I mean, Marcus speaks highly of you. So if he speaks highly of you, I know you a solid dude. But what is it about you, man? Like you, you kind of like the, the J Prince of Dallas, it sounds like. You know, you the, you the Master P. You know, you got you got everybody following you. And you got them, you know, staying up till four in the morning, back to back nights, going to work. They're not getting paid, but they believe in you. And that, I mean, and I'm not trying to gas you, but that, that does say a lot about who you are and what your character is. So, um, yeah, man. So like, but if you can just pat yourself on the back a little bit, like what is it, <laughs> what do you think it is about you that you have all these people that trust you and believe in your vision? I think, um, one thing I've always been a kind of a lead by example type guy. Yeah. Um, and when I show up to set, 
like and again back to independent filmmaker like when i'm on set in season one we didn't have a ton you know we had some people with experience but we had some people with no experience so i'm helping out with audio i'm helping out with lighting um i'm calling in to get pizza delivered i'm going over scripts i'm directing i'm shooting you know I, I like when I, when I show up to set and like I'm I'm always on right. I yeah. don't ever and this is what you learn you know as an entrepreneur and you probably know is that you don't have breaks right. You <laughs> got to show up every day. Yep. It's, it's seven days a week. It's yep. no you know you don't get weekends off. No. Um, and I take that approach with Wash is that I show up and I bust my tail and I think people see that and they fall you know they kind of follow my lead and they give that same type of effort and. A lot of times with business, you know, they talk about like first impression. If you can set the standard like right off the bat of what you're going to be, um, people will respect that. Um, the girl that plays the woman that plays Maya, the girlfriend of Mark in the show, yep. her name is Nadira. She said the only reason she submitted a um, a video to be on the show because she couldn't make it to the casting call, so she submitted her uh, video is because our flyer was so professional. Wow. So <laughs> just the flyer that we posted online. So that, and that kind of goes back to when I was coming up at ESPN and I used to hate my boss at ESPN, not hate him, I love him, but <laughs> he was very, they care about every frame of video and every pixel on a graphic, right? Mm -hmm. And at the time I was like, man, this is stupid, right? Like, <laughs> like come on, man, like get out of my edit room with this. Word. But now I'm that guy. Mm. So. When I approach everything, I'm very particular. I know I drive people crazy, but I okay doesn't work, right? It's not like like when we're on set. And one of the big things I want to improve in season two is I want our audio to be a lot better. But one of the things I used to tell the the whoever was running audio, I'm like, hey, how's the audio? And they're like, oh, I can hear them. I'm like, no, I don't care if you can hear them. <laughs> doesn't sound like it's on ABC. Right. Um, so that's the that's the approach I take with every single thing on wash is like, you know, and, and, and I work at it and we don't have big crews. So if somebody else can't do it, then I'm going to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, I think that's a, a big reason why a lot of the people believe in what we're doing and, um, and they stick with it. Uh, and we put a, a really good foot forward in episode one and two, because you probably know this about people like when we did episode one and two, it we didn't have a lot of folks. We didn't have a lot of people wanting to be part of the team, mm -hmm. but after they saw one and two, they was like, Oh, okay. So we got a little more people interested. Yeah. After people came to our premiere, when we sold out a premiere here in Dallas, you know, we had, we had people standing in the aisles of the theater because it only held 215 people and we sold 225 tickets. Wow. Um, and, once they saw that, then, you know, the next day, you know, I had six makeup artists sending me emails. People want to be on the show now. They want to do casting call. So once you prove your worth, then people are like, oh, I want to be a part of that because they see somebody with a plan. And that's, again, this all has to do with human nature, I think, is yeah. that everybody, everybody wants somebody with a plan, somebody yeah. that can come up with a plan and then execute it. And I think that's what we proved. And I think that's why a lot of people wanted to be a part of washington season one and hopefully they come back for season two <laughs> no I, I think they will man and that's that's a key point man you just sometimes people want support from the jump like yo support black business or yo i went to high school with you like it's yeah. not that simple because 
everybody's doing something so unfortunately as much as you think people should just be nice because they know you or just because we all black and we all together not you do have to prove your worth at the end of the day because like and as you know it's it's competitive in what you're doing and so yeah. you have to prove your worth you have to pay attention to detail and that that does go a long way and people will notice it and it seems like and i know that people have noticed it because you are 11 time emmy nominee two-time emmy winner tell us about <laughs> that bro uh, one, one more point I want to make on something I posted on Instagram today. Oh, uh, word. One of one of the directors of Power. It's, it's to your point. Uh, he he posted this quote, and I've heard this before. Success is never owned; it's rented, and the rent is due every day. Yeah. So, back to your point about people wanting to be supported off jump. Um, what some people don't understand is that people want to support. A lot of people will support you off jump, your family and friends, right? Mm -hmm. But even those people want to see consistency, and I think that's the that's the key to a lot of people is that they can't fight through when stuff gets hard people are like all right i'm done with this you that's know fact. and that's when people start questioning you when you try another project right yeah. um if you can show if you can pull through and be consistent then people will support you mm -hmm. um but and that kind of segues into the emmys uh yeah that's <laughs> that's one of my my two pride and joys i got them in my living room so <laughs> when everybody comes over they can see them word <laughs> um yeah so i was uh i've been nominated i actually been nominated for 12 i need to update wherever you read that I okay no i just got nominated uh and i didn't win but i was nominated back in november um one of my clients it was a it was a documentary kind of it was uh centered around kind of the me too movement um mm. but yeah so i um i won my two emmys when i was with the texas rangers uh for writing commercials uh for the ball for the for the baseball team and i was nominated for, for I think it was if it was six at the Rangers and I think four with ESPN and I've been nominated two on my own through my business um, so I've been fortunate man like you get good stories and uh, you, you tell a story on video and I've uh, been fortunate enough to uh, be nominated and win those awards that's dope man that's that's an amazing accomplishment that's some nice hardware to show off man <laughs> people 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 come over and they're like can i pick them up i was like yeah you know if you drop it then i might have to charge 300 dollars because i gotta buy a new one right <laughs> <laughs> man so i mean you you've accomplished a lot man at the age of 33 and uh and obviously there's a lot more on the horizon to accomplish but at this at this point um, of you starting your own business and and being a director and creating this series, what have you learned about yourself in this entrepreneurial journey? Um, what have I learned about myself? Um, fight through the downs. You know, mm -hmm. when you're working a nine to five, you know a paycheck's coming every two weeks, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think it's kind of fight through. You know. A lot of it's mental you know you got to fight through you know whenever when everything's not going your way Word. um also i i need to be a better leader mm. um i'm a doer right and when you're a doer you just want to push people out of the way and do it yourself um I, I really need to learn how to um be be more strategic kind of you know give people the power and the autonomy to make decisions yeah um but then at the same time uh another difficult part is I don't think I'm naturally a mean person, so uh, sometimes I won't be as 
in the past I haven't been as forward or as honest as I should have been. Right. You know, sometimes human nature, you want everybody to be happy, so you kind of beat around the bush. Word. And and that only ends up hurting you as a leader, right? Yeah. Um, so really, you know, kind of learning to surround myself with people that had the same type of ambition and uh, values and um, and, that, and, that, and that's a good thing to being a leader is when you're looking for people don't necessarily look for as we mentioned earlier the hard skills kind of look for the soft skills because I can teach you how to do something but I can't teach you passion and work ethic um, and you know consistency so um, yeah that's a long. I start rambling, but uh, no, nah, that's that's good though, man. Especially that last part, man. Um, a lot of it's funny because like I I've, I've been podcasting for almost two years now, mm-hmm. and um, and I know people that have started podcasts, um, and they have a partner or a co-host, mm-hmm. and I tell them I was like, look, man, whoever you partner with you have to be sure that they have the exact same drive as you because it's not about you all being compatible like on air i mean all that stuff helps of course for the end end goal of the product but like you got to look long term and like if you have a goal of doing this for a number of years both y'all have to be bought in you know what i mean like both of y'all have to have the same passion and if you don't it's gonna mess up your friendship it's gonna mess up your relationship it's gonna derail whatever project you're working on because you expect more out of them than they expect out of themselves. And you, and it's just not, it's not fair to either one of you to have improper expectations. So those soft skills and just having that passion, that drive, the stuff that you can't teach, it's just inside of that person. Like that's key when it comes to working with other people. Yeah. And I would say, um, and this is, I've, I've experienced this in many instances, right? Mm-hmm. And this is all the way back to 2003 is that, Everything's fun in the beginning, and I can see this with season one of Washed. And because this is my passion, you know, I can do 50 location season and kind of push through the end. We had uh, people, some people on the crew that you could tell they were getting fatigued, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> They're not getting paid for this. It's not the br- bright, shiny new object anymore. It's like, let's just get to the finish line. Right. Um, but you, you know, you're spot on with make sure because the level that we're doing at it right now, you know, one day we hope to be, a, you know, at a next level where you can have a staff and people are getting paid. And if you're getting paid, you know, I can be a much different leader if I'm paying you. I can tell you <laughs> what I've done and, yeah. it, and it has to get done. Right. Um, but if you're doing this for free, like, you know, and you're not making the big bucks, you definitely have to have a passion, whether it's for podcasting, whether it's for filmmaking or whatever it is, if you're starting a business with someone, um, you don't have to have the same exact skill sets, but you have to have the same mentality. Yes. Um, and the expectation thing is huge. Like, because if that's your passion, you're going to expect somebody to go super hard at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Well, kind of to, to wrap this up, man, like what, what advice would you give those who have the itch to start their own business or start whatever project and they just don't know how or know when to take that step? Like, what would you tell them? Um, I would somebody on your team has to be um, the expert in that um, in that field. Mm-hmm. Um, both of you guys don't have to be experts. Um, and if you're not the expert, I would be sure to, you know, I have a friend that he owns a gym and he is 
he's the fitness guy. He's a trainer. He's, you know, he's had all the education. And he, he's the guy. His wife is the one that has the business degree. Mm. She handles all the business, right? Word. So he, he can handle all, all the training and clients, right? Yeah. They, they work well together because they handle two different, but you have to make sure that you guys are um, both on the same uh, same playing field and, and, and you communicate very well. Um, and then when, when you start, uh, if you don't know it, learn it. Like YouTube, I've learned more on YouTube than I did in film school. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. But whatever, you, whatever you need to know is out there. You know, if, you know, I didn't know how to make a, a, a uh, I didn't necessarily know how to make a pitch deck or, you know, or a press kit or um, I didn't know how to make motion graphics or anything, anything you want to know, it's out there. You can learn it. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I would just say, be resourceful. Um, and also don't be afraid to, to, to bail on an idea. Um, there's this concept uh, called sunk, uh, sunk cost. Yes. Um, don't, don't go forward with something once you realize it's a bad idea. Um, mm. If going forward, it isn't going to give you what you want, whether it's money or whether it's fulfillment, um, it's okay to bail on a project and let it go. You don't want to waste any more of your time because we're only given so much time on this earth. Um, so, yeah, no, and I'm trying to think of some other stuff. It, it, it kind of the three things I want to be with Washington season two, strategic, consistent, and detail-oriented. I always, you know you have to be that way when you start a business, you know, cause you only have finite resources. Yeah. That's a fact. And that, that last point is, is key, man. I was watching, um, it was one of those like hip hop documentaries on Netflix and they were talking about, uh, Q-tip and how Q-tip would like have these dope beats and they would make a real dope song. Like the artist thought it was a Buster Rhymes. Like, yo, this is, this is fly. Like we, we good. And then Q-Tip would come back in the studio. He'll be like, nah, erase everything. And they'll be in there like, nah, bro, we just laid down. You know what I mean? But but they trusted Tip because Tip knew that that was, or Q-Tip, I should say. Um, he knew that that wasn't it and he could do better. And so, and that, that inspired me because sometimes I'm just like, yo, I've recorded, I've done this, I plan for it. Like, I put in all the time already. Like, I might as well. I might as well put it out. Like I've already, I can't get that time back. Yeah. But then I was thinking about what Q-Tip was doing and he just like, no, nah, I'm going to make the, I know I can do better and I'm not going to settle for 85%. I'm, I'm going to give it a hundred percent every time. And so just like what you said, man, it's like, you can't be afraid to scrap something when you know, when you know that it can be better. Yeah. And that's another thing. Yeah. It's kind of, when you're a, 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 an entrepreneur, they're already going to question you, right? Mm. When 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 I ask somebody to look at my stuff, they're going to be like, oh, man, he doesn't have HBO behind him. He don't have Netflix. Or when you ask somebody to listen to your podcast, you know, they're like, oh, man, he's not, you know, big NPR or, you know, what, what you know, yeah. other big, big, a big he, he, he's not at the Breakfast Club. So. He, don't, he don't got no celebrities on there. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. don't have any celebrities on there. But so with that being said, we have to we have to put our best foot forward every single time out the gate until we get to that point where people are going to trust our brand right right when you get a pair of nikes you going you trust that it's going to be a solid brand right, right. um so yeah, yeah no it, it's and and and, I, and to make a point real quick when you watch the show um 
the first image we have is our our big like drone shot in the ratings, right? Yeah. That's purposeful because it sets a tone because you don't really see big shots like that, you know, in what you would call a web series, which I, I said we're not calling ourselves a web series, but you don't you don't see that. So I yeah. did that intentionally because I wanted to set the tone early on that, you know, we're we're bigger than what you would expect. Yeah. No, that's I didn't even think about that. It does it definitely does, man. That first comes on and it's like, oh, okay. This is this is real. Like they serious. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be surprised. You'd be surprised how many times I've gotten that comment in like a YouTube or uh, Instagram post. Like, man, y'all look like a real show. I'm like, we are. <laughs> we real. I mean, y'all look we, like a real show. That's funny. <laughs> we can't do everything that power does, but you know, we're gonna control what we can. And that's another thing. Again, I can talk about this all day, but one of my mottos is like, control what you can. Word. Right. My and the example I give all the time is that. Um, so Apple and Starbucks, they sent out uh, email blasts, right? Mm-hmm. I can't do everything Apple and Starbucks does. I can't buy a commercial in the Super Bowl to get people to watch Watch. But what I can do is control how my e-blasts look. Yeah. And I can get as close to them. You know, I can get pretty close to an Apple or Starbucks email blast. There's only so much you can do with the email blast. Um, so I can make that look as professional as possible. So whatever you can control, control it. And then everything out of your hands, just don't worry about it. But everything you can, you got to make sure it's on point. Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact, man. That's that's one thing that I'm starting to realize. And uh, because I've always just been, especially when building up this this uh, platform and just doing the podcast, I'm all about the content. Like the mm-hmm. content has to be there. It needs to be consistent. I'm doing this every week. I'm mm-hmm. making a promise to myself and I'm making a promise to my listeners. But one thing now that I'm really starting to realize, and you know, like us being our age, bro, when Instagram came out, it was all about, it was, we were in college, you had to have your dot .edu, you know, to get on Instagram. And it was all about fun and games and connected with people, right? Instagram or Facebook, because Instagram wasn't out when we were in college. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Facebook. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I'm yeah. getting mixed up. So Facebook. So it was for college students only. And and then Instagram, but like our social media and even Black Planet. You know what I mean? Was yeah. you on Black Planet? Okay. <laughs> so you know about it. So my, hey, my black my Black Planet page is still up. I I, <laughs> I go I go there from time to time to read it to uh, laugh at myself. That's fine. I've I've been trying to find mine. I can't find it for the life of me, but I'm a, I'm gonna keep scrubbing the internet for it. Man, but um what I was saying is for our generation um, social media was all about fun. It was all about connecting yeah. with people. But now what I'm starting to realize, and I feel so dumb, I'm, I'm, li- I'm late to the party, but now social media is business. It's all business. It's all marketing. Like, it is a website. Like, your Instagram is your website. And I didn't realize it until recently, you know, and I'm, and I'm looking at the younger generation and how they how they treat their Instagram. Like, they're really out here trying to impress some people and i'm like oh they're so pretentious they're so this they're so that but they just understand that yo this is marketing you this ain't this ain't what? this ain't fun and games this is marketing so now i gotta take that same approach so yeah you, man you know what's funny is that um and this was my mind so back in you're talking about like back in 2004 yeah, right yeah um that's when i had my tv show in college called atx most wanted right. and that's when facebook was just coming out yeah and everybody in college could use it 
And what's funny is that early on, I recognized that I could use it to market my show. Mm. And at one point, the the, the student t- uh, student newspaper wrote an article about the show, and I didn't even notice at the time. We had more fans of my hip hop TV show than the University of Texas Republicans and Democrats combined. Wow. Um, so what what was crazy is that that was 2004, and when I got to ESPN in 2008, the guy that was in charge of college football, he was on a conference call. He was like, "Hey, is there anybody out there that can show me how to use Facebook? We're we're thinking about incorporating it into our broadcast." Word. And I, I was like, man, if I had only been here in 2004 um, or 2006, I was like, man, I might be the director of social media for ESPN at this point. But when he said that, I was like, you know, me, I, I'm not scared. I'm not scared to talk to anybody. So I sent him an email. The head of college football for ESPN, I sent him an email. I was like, hey, man, I can teach you Facebook. So I went to his office and um, pulled up my Facebook page, which turned out to be a mistake because I was like, man, I should not be writing about this stuff on Facebook and then showing my boss this. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, no, that's... But yeah, no, it, it's, it, social media is a business. And speaking of which, you know, we're getting a little bit off topic. That's the way uh, I approach our Instagram account for Washed. And that's where we got most of our following is like every day I try to post something. Yeah. And I try to be as consistent as possible. And I know some people might get tired of seeing our posts, but the algorithm limits you so much that you have to be consistent and you have to use the hashtags so you can get in front of new people every day right yeah man and i'm just now like really recognizing the game for what it is and not just like low-key just like looking at people like man y'all y'all thirsty but it's like nah man it's they over here being consistent like you said the algorithm i i'm just now learning about that and just knowing the significance of it so yeah man do you know the, you know do you know the best times to post on uh, social media? Not at all. I got so, my phone out. I'm about to write this down. What's up? So eight, twelve, and eight. Eight, eight in the mornings when people get up. Mm-hmm. Twelve is when they're at lunch, and eight is when they're at home just watching TV on their phone. Mm. Um, those are the best times to post your content where you get the most eyeballs. Um, so yeah, that's when I say be strategic. I'm trying to be strategic in that, and then also don't use a lot of words on your. Uh, on your posts, which I, sometimes I can't get away from because I'm trying to deliver information. Um, but the less words you have on a post, the more Instagram and Facebook won't filter it out. Um, but if you put if you put like an essay up there, uh, they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna limit the amount of people that see uh, your post because they don't like text. Really? Um, so they they're gonna control that? Oh yeah. They, and wow. I don't know if you've ever did a promoted post through Facebook or Instagram. Mm-hmm. It, if you have too much text, it'll get denied. Ooh. So they want like the post that get the most love for Wash is the stuff with no text and like a selfie or like a group of us taking a, a picture on our cell phone. Um, but if I put up like a polished picture and try to put like our logo and everything on it, that gets that doesn't get as big of an engagement as other pictures. Wow, that's crazy, bro. And then. The, the whole strategy of the, the 8, 12, and 8 is that you want to post when the most people are on there because the quicker you get likes and the quicker you get comments, that means Instagram will show it to other people in your timeline because the likes and the comments are telling them that people are interested in what you just posted. Yeah. So it, it, it's tricky because sometimes you can 
like when we went live on Amazon, I just did a screenshot of our platform on Amazon and there's a lot of text on there, but it got a lot of likes because obviously we're announcing we're going on Amazon. So like once, cause every time somebody saw it, they liked it or they commented. So that started populating in other people's timelines cause Instagram realized that a lot of people wanted, were interested in that announcement. Wow. And then I bet you that, so that will help you get on other people's explore page as well right yeah yeah yes so if you can get on the explore page then you you know we have a few posts that have like eight thousand views on it right Mm -hmm. um which is which is big because we're only you know we average anywhere from a thousand to two thousand people that see any of our posts yeah when you get a post that has eight thousand views or twenty five thousand views then that means you popped up in an explore and you your post really kind of took off and went viral Oh, that makes sense, bro. Cause I was a, uh, I remember one time I went to a Travis Scott concert, and then I posted a um a video like Drake came out on, on the stage like unannounced, mm-hmm. and the video had like and I posted a whole bunch of other ones and they had like a couple hundred views, but then that one had like ten thousand, eleven thousand views. I was like, how did this one out of all yeah. of them? You know what I mean? But maybe people liked it really quick and they yeah. got on Explore or something like that. It was either Explore or your hashtags. If you put a popular hashtag on there, yeah. Uh, like I don't know if you like hashtag, you know, Drake or Travis Scott concert or whatever. Um, oh, I might and I tagged the location. I think the location had yeah. its own. Yeah. Okay. It, it's it, all those variables: the location, people you tag. Uh, you know, because you can. You can tag up to 20 people on a photo and then in the comments you can add you can add up to 10 people mm. and you can use you can use 30 hashtags um so that's the whole <laughs> there's different layers to trying to get people to to see it yo this is highly educational i'm, I'm loving this bro <laughs> that, and, that, and, that, and that's the thing i was saying about earlier i didn't have any idea about any of the social media marketing but if you're trying to you know, promote something. You ain't got you know a hundred thousand dollars to put behind a, a campaign. You got to find every single avenue to kind of expand your brand. And, and and then on another, I guess another tip. I don't know if I should be telling you this. <laughs> um, is it, this is not this isn't proprietary information, but there are a lot of web series around the country like Washed, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't. I, know if they're as good as us some are some are better some aren't but they have followings as well so i try to reach their fan base as well mm-hmm. and this is what every company does right yeah um if you're if you have a coffee shop you're trying to target starbucks customers or people that like coffee um same thing same thing with you there are podcasts out there and they have fan bases they're probably interested in what you have as well yep yep that's a fact i just, I, I just started doing it literally yesterday i was I real well I knew this but then I didn't realize how key it was so I just started following a whole bunch of hashtags mm-hmm. and so now um you know liking every picture I see that come up on a hashtag just to get that visibility you know yeah that's yeah. you gotta try everything you can to get out there and build a fan base and if you're consistent with you know your content consistent with trying to grow your audience you know you'll you'll eventually um gain traction it's just all about staying consistent word word now real quick back to washed man uh, mm-hmm. i have an idea of my comparison show that comes up in my head but what's the biggest comparison that that gets thrown out there that that you hear about when people watch you like oh this reminds me of you know what what show would you say there's 
there's there's about three shows that I kind of um, get. Sometimes, uh, obviously, it's Insecure. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes Atlanta. Mm, okay. Uh, and it's only portions of Atlanta, but I swear, man. So season two of Atlanta was genius. Yeah. And if people were really checking for Atlanta like that, and when I say people, I mean like critics and stuff like that. Like season two of Atlanta would go down in history as some some crazy stuff. Like it 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 it, it wasn't supposed to be funny, but there was a lot of funny stuff in there. Yeah. And it wasn't like it wasn't like laugh out loud funny. It was just kind of like man, that's some weird stuff. Right. Um. So I would say Insecure Atlanta. Um. And sometimes we have. I don't know if you watch Shameless. You you watch Shameless? No, nah, I don't. Uh, it's a it's a really good show. It's uh it's really it's some crazy stuff that happens but sometimes we'll have lines we'll write lines or we'll have stuff that I'm like man we're kind of like a you know it's like a black shameless mm. uh, so those are three shows um, one time somebody mentioned Martin but I wouldn't say that nah um, I wouldn't um, say that <laughs> yeah we're, we're not we're not like Martin because um, the thing about it is we're not always going for jokes we might say stuff that might be funny but it's not really going for a joke mm. um, it's just stupid or out of line um, but yeah, no, give me yours. What, what, what do you got? No, I mean, I always thought about it as the male version of Insecure. Yeah. You know? Okay, and it's and it's just like, and that's why I liked it. I was like, man, Insecure is cool, but it's really for the ladies. You know, my wife really likes it a lot, but like, I don't, I mean, it's really good. Obviously, it's really good, but it's just too female driven. Like, yeah. there was so much man butt like i seen so many dudes butts i was like yo i can't i'm i'm tired of seeing dudes butt every episode like can we stop can we just (laughs) i I, I promise you i'll try not to show a man butt. man thank you like that in my that's not in my plans for season two um but yeah no we 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 get the insecure thing um and think about so with season two i'm trying to what i'm trying to do is turn stuff on his head yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, and I'll give you a little insight into where my head's thinking. So we spent a lot of time with Mark in season one. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of want to start to uh, still still explore Mark and what he has going on, but I also want to explore the characters for sure. Um, and I want to see see their lives and what they got going on. Um, and you know, we'll introduce a couple more characters. Uh, we're, we're not that far along in writing. We're as I mentioned earlier, I'm taking a very deliberate approach with season two. So we're sitting down and we're 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 laying down the foundation, which is the narrative. Mm-hmm. And before we even write any dialogue, I mean, we come up with clever lines and we'll put it in the notes. But before we write a script, we're kind of mapping out the entire season so we know where we're going. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, we're right now we're in the process of. Uh, laying you know finishing up the, the narrative and then once we finish up the narrative um, we'll start writing treatments for for each episode and then once we get done with the treatments um we'll start writing the actual script and pages um but i really want to I, I really want to explore because we left a lot on the bone you don't know a ton about eric Mm-mm. um you don't know a ton about maya you don't know a ton about Amber, which were the three other main characters. And then you have other characters like the work wife, which a lot of people enjoyed her character, but you really know nothing about her. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of people like the hood twins. I got to find a way to get a little more of the hood twins. in there. <laughs> you talking um, about the, the light skin, dark skin dude? 
Yeah, like yeah. born on the same born on the same day, same <laughs> same daddy, different mamas. Uh, Them dudes is hilarious, but, uh, man. Yeah, so we we you know we need to explore uh, some backstory on those characters. Um, but yeah, no, I, I get the the male insecure. That's that's one that's been thrown out there. That's probably been the most common. So yeah. I want I, I I like that comparison. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to find a way to develop our own identity uh, in season two. Yeah, for sure. I mean, but the ATL. Now that I think about it, like I can, I can see that I, it doesn't necessarily because ATL, the, especially the first season, was more of like straight comedy, and it, like you said, the second season was just really had a message to it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you're in the same breath as ATL, because to me, like that's, I think that will go down as like the greatest series of our generation. Like it's to me, it's it's that good. Even though I know it's kind of early to say that, man. But man. Donald Glover is is an amazing dude, bro. I gotta stop you in your tracks. So if if we're starting on greatest series and we're my my number one is The Wire. So well, I'm saying of of our generation, like of this genre, of of this genre of 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 like these new. I don't know. It's it's a it's a loaded statement, but like let's say anything made in the 2000s at this point. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Like made in the 2000s, well, not not in the 90s. Or was was the wire in the 2000s? That was like early, like late 90s, early 2000s. Mm. But, so I, I think you, I don't know. I would preference it with the genre because okay. when you say series, then I'm thinking Breaking Bad. I'm thinking Game of Thrones, um, shows like that. Now, well, I, I would say like, like I'm, what I'm thinking of is is a genre, and it's like that's black, like produced by somebody that's black yeah so you got like you got the Issa Rae you got um, you got Atlanta like I guess the Jared Carmichael show um, Rail which is on you know what's funny is we went to the premiere of Rail when it was in Dallas mm-hmm. and I, I actually I saw the the first episode and I haven't kept up with that I need to go back and watch it because I heard it progressively got better not that it was bad but it got it got really good toward the end um What's funny is that in their premiere, they were saying jokes and, and they had scenarios that were just like some that we hadn't watched. Mm. And it, what, what was crazy when I watched this newest season of Insecure, uh, um, there was a joke in there that they said that was very similar to a joke that we had written in season one of Washed, but it actually got left out on accident. Um, so wow. but yeah no, it, it's crazy but yeah no, I, I get what you're saying as far as this genre of like series I would say Atlanta is the one that when I watch I'm kind of blown away like I'm like just the the the, the, the ideas are so so fresh and original yeah yeah and I, I mean that was like I said that's, that's an aggressive statement basically what I'm trying to say is I probably shouldn't compare it to anything right now because it's too it's too early but I love Atlanta bro I'm, I'm a huge fan as you can tell <laughs> oh me too I'm, I'm glad I didn't watch season 2 until I was done shooting uh, Wash because if I would have watched season 2 before I was done it would have you would have saw a change. <laughs> you you would have seen Wash change mid season, and I would have probably been trying to copy some of the stuff they were doing. Were yeah, man. And yeah. That's that's hard to do. I I never understood it. I got a friend, the guy that plays Eric in the show. He used to be a rapper, and he used to always say that he would never listen to other rappers while he was recording 
and now it makes sense. Yeah, no, that that's a fact. I I dabbled in rapping, uh, a failed attempt, but uh, you know, I was <laughs> I was following my passion at the time. But yeah, I, I didn't listen to any hip hop at the time. I would only listen to like funk or just like some type of rock and roll type stuff. I didn't want to have my mind clouded with somebody else's style, and I end up reproducing that. You know. Yeah, no, you, you definitely didn't. You don't want to sound like Lil Wayne or anybody that was hot at the time. Right. Yeah, man. Um, well, it's been a good combo, bro. I want to go ahead and, and get into the Fab Five, man. This is These are five questions that I ask everybody. I don't know if I sent this to you or not. Uh, okay, I didn't. Good. So I don't want you to know what it is beforehand. <laughs> All right. So um, first question, got to preface it with, you know, I, I think I know the answer, but I'll go ahead and preface it. What's your favorite genre of music? R&B. So what artist or album made you fall in love with R&B? <laughs> I don't really want to say it right. Oh, actually, I don't have to say TP2. It was actually, <laughs> uh, it was Bo it was Boys to Men. Uh, I had three tapes when I was growing up. It was Boys to Men, the, the album with On Bending Knee and I'll Make Love to You. I shouldn't have been listening to I Make Love to You at nine years old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I had Boys and Men, Elvis Presley, and Michael Jackson. Those are the three tapes that were like my first introduction to music. Word, word. I heard that TP2 slip out though. I heard that. I heard that. I mean, listen, man. Like, <laughs> you know, no judgment. No judgment. <laughs> such a great album. Jeez. Yeah, man. We can't. Yeah, we gotta look look the other way, or not look the other way, but we gotta make a decision. Like, yo, we can't continue to listen yeah, to I that. Yeah, I got a hot, I got a hot opinion on that, but just. Uh, well, well, we can we can talk about that another time, you know. Okay. <laughs> so, question number two, man, right up your alley: Is there a movie that has affected your outlook on life? Ooh, uh, affected my outlook on life. Um, man, this is a good question. I, the Wire, maybe. I, I I love The Wire, man. It's mm -hmm. it, it's it's one of the realest pieces of like filmmaking television that's ever been made in my opinion yeah word i've never seen it bro bro watch <laughs> it it's and when you watch it get past se uh, season two because every every season is from a different perspective and mm -hmm. season two is like a totally different show i don't know what they i know why they did it i just don't really it's not my favorite season yeah man I, i've heard that from people about season two I started watching like season one. I think I watched maybe one or two episodes and I just could never, I mean, I'm just looking at the task of watching the whole thing. And I just like, you know what? This is too much. <laughs> and I just don't, I just don't continue on. Cause how many seasons is it? It's five seasons, five seasons. And what's crazy is season five is, is amazing. It's, yeah. It, it might be the best one. Um, it's a lot, but it, for me, it's well worth it. Like The Wire, I've probably seen the season three times all the way through. Uh, and the other movie that I really like is Peyton Fool. I've probably seen that at least 15 times. Mm, yeah, you can't go wrong with that story, man. Love Peyton Fool. Yeah, bro. Speaking of Peyton Fool, uh, Dame Dash, man, one of my favorite entrepreneurs, period, man. Have you kept up with any of his stuff? Like Dame Dash, was it Dame Dash Studios and... He had yeah, that. I, I follow him on Instagram, so I see, you know, when he does stuff. Yeah, but what about his? Have, did you see that movie that he made, uh, Los Sidas? I haven't, but it got a, a, a. Was that the one that got nominated for an award or something? I think so. I think so. I just haven't seen it though. No, I haven't seen it at all. Yeah, yeah. 
Word, man. So uh, question number three, what, when you start to feel overwhelmed, how do you de-stress? Um, how do I de-stress? I can tell you how I handle it um, is, and I, I learned this in, in grad school. So I was going to grad school part-time while I was working mm -hmm. and trying to get an MBA on the side is very difficult, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's really like you wake up at seven in the morning and you don't stop working until about 11 at night. Mm -hmm. um, so what I did is, and this is what I do with wash or I do with anything is I have the big picture in mind, but then I just break it up into small tasks. And I'm very big about writing in my iPhone, everything I got to get done that day. Yeah. And I just start, and I don't put too much on that. Some people will put everything they need to get done. I just put what need what's immediately needs to get done and I make sure I get it done that day. Mm, right. Yeah. And I just knock it every day. I just try to show up and knock something out. Um, and as far as de-stress, I, I would say, um, go to the gym, go out and drink, <laughs> um, stuff like that. Yeah. Just, uh, just unwind a little bit, get your mind off the routine. <laughs> yeah. 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 Kind of step away from, uh, you know, with you know, when you're when you're making, when you're in post production and editing, it's very tedious. So mm -hmm. you got to step away and come back with clear eyes. Yeah, that's a fact. Um, question number four: What book would you recommend for everyone to read right now? Um, you, you know, we were talking about soft skills earlier. It was uh, one of the best ones is How to Win Friends and Influence People. Oh, Dale um, Carnegie, yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, Dale Carnegie. That, that's one that a lot of people have read. I like that one. Uh, recently, I read, oh, uh, Trevor Noah's book. Mm. Um, this is kind of more just entertainment, although he has some good nuggets. Uh, Born Born in Crime, I believe is the name of it. Mm. Um, I listened to that on audio, uh, on Audible, yeah. uh, when, I, when I was driving over the holidays. Uh, so th that was a really good book. So, yeah, I'd say those two. What was it? What was that one called again? Uh, Born in Crime. Born in Crime. As well by Trevor Noah, he he's a really good storyteller, as you would expect, um, and he's lived a, a fascinating life. Because he he was born in, into apartheid in uh, South Africa. Uh, his mom was black, and or as they say in South Africa, she was colored, and his dad was uh, white, mm. and it was illegal for um, them to be together. Yeah, and he was actually, you know, he shouldn't have been with his mom, so according to him so it, it's a fascinating story wow okay yeah, I'm, I'm gonna check that out i got my little audible subscription so i'm definitely gonna check that out um last question man um it's kind of heavy but take your time what message do you want communicated at your eulogy oh <laughs> it's a little heavy uh -oh. a little heavy um I would I would like people to tell the truth, you know. Um, one of my favorite rappers, is, you, you, I probably start off with the, the J Cole line. Uh, he talks about that in one of his raps. He says, uh, "Will they lie and say I was a saint, or they say I was a uh, or they be true?" Um, it went something like that. I probably butchered it. <laughs> you could, right? I did. The, uh, the Cole fans and, know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, he know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and then another cold line is uh, the only thing uh, worse than death is a regret-filled coffin. Mm. Um, so I, I want them to know. I want. I would like somebody just to be true. Let, you know, let people know I was flawed. Let people know I got into a lot of fights in college, but also know that uh, I chased my passion and I worked hard. Like I showed up 
every day. And I always tell people when I'm when I when I'm gone, I want my body to be kicking and screaming like I'm ready to go. I don't want to I don't want to leave anything in the tank. So um, I'd like people to know that you know I emptied it all out. Um, so man, got real. Uh, uh, introspective on that last question. <laughs> I know, man. It, it goes deep, man. But I always like to end with that, man. Just to, just so everybody can can think about that. Like I think nah. we all need to think about that because we have to like begin with it. Like you were saying with with your day, begin with the end in mind. Know what you want to accomplish, and uh, life is short, man. So we all yeah. gonna pass. And like I know at my at my funeral, I want people to say great things about me, even though I can't enjoy it. You know, I want that energy and that impact to last, man. So I always like to get people thinking about that. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm right there with you. It's, it's a great question because, you know, we don't always think about that. Um, and I, I definitely, I'm like you, I want people to say the great things, but at the same time, I want people to be real, you yeah. know. Because um, I remember this, my hero was my grandfather, and he passed away, what is it, like probably about five, six years ago now. Mm -hmm. And... One of my cousins, so he used to like uh, Merle Haggard, right? And one of my cousins uh, didn't want to play the song because I guess she felt like this was kind of a church thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she didn't think it was appropriate, but it wasn't in a church. It was just in some random building. Um, <laughs> we didn't have no, you know, like a big church service or whatever because my grandpa donated his body to science, so we didn't even have a body. Wow. Um, and yeah, we didn't get his ashes until like a year later. Okay. Um, but she didn't want to play Merle Haggard because I think I, I didn't get a full explanation, but I, I got the gist of it was that it wasn't churchy. I was like, man, come on, man. Like you, <laughs> like you knew my grandpa. Like right. he was a, he was an alcoholic for a portion of his life, um, and he wasn't no saint. Like yeah. play the damn song. Right, right. You know, so <laughs> um, that's and, and like me, like. Please do not go playing like a whole bunch of church songs because I love God and I go to church, but, you know, play some Tupac, play some Marvin Gaye, play some Life Jennings, you know, play some J. Cole. Do not play. Word. <laughs> I do not. You do not have to play a whole bunch of church music for me. Right. So y'all can celebrate my life. It's all right. Yeah. yeah. No, I, and please don't be sad because hopefully, you know, both of us, we live to a, a ripe old age. And if I live to a ripe old age, man, you can be sad for a little bit, but. You know, turn up afterwards. Already. <laughs> man. Well, yeah, man, Jed, I appreciate you for coming on, man, yeah. and, and sharing your stories and your time with me, bro. Oh, man, I appreciate it. Thank you for uh, having me on. I really appreciate it, bro. No doubt, man. So tell the people how they can get a hold of you and, and once again, how they can check out Washed. Yeah, so uh, it's on Amazon Prime. If you don't have Amazon Prime, go to washedseries.com or YouTube. Uh, and if you want to get a hold of me, uh, jcouch at thecreativecouch.com um, or you can email info at washseries.com and we're also on Instagram washseries or thecreativecouch I guarantee you my wife says this I'm the only person that responds to every message so yeah, you could be a random person I'm going to respond to you until you start talking about foolishness and then I'll just block you but uh, I would definitely answer any email or direct message um, as soon as I can. Word, word. So if y'all listening to this, man, I hope you guys watch the series, man. It's, a, it's an amazing series. Hashtag watch. You can search for it. On, like he said, Google it, whatever. It's, it's going to show up. You're going to be able to see it. So support a young entrepreneur, man. And, and do we have a tentative date for season two or when, when can we expect that? Uh, season two, uh, my plan is... Uh, august 
August. Um, I'm hoping August. You know, if we get there before, that's great. Yeah. Um, but August is kind of the, because again, I want to take my time. I'm not going to rush season two. Um, so I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking August. Word. So yeah, man, y'all be on the lookout. Follow him on social media, and uh, hit me up if you guys have any questions. You know where to hit me up on um, on Instagram and Twitter at sxsndls my personal instagram emmanuel since 85 and once again it's the socks and sandals podcast where society culture history and religion collide and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. appreciate y'all for listening grace and peace <laughs>